This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Marketing Matters on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Hello, and welcome back to the program. I'm America's Reed, the Whitney M. Young, Jr., Professor of Marketing here at the Wharton School of Business. <laughs> we are live. This is Marketing Matters on Business Radio here at the magnificent institution called Wharton. We invented the concept of the business school. We create the knowledge that they write about in their cases. We went to Wharton, and we saw you coming a mile away. Importantly, we are not only investment bankers. We are also consultants, strategists, entrepreneurs, real estate gurus, management leaders, and, of course, marketers, where marketing is the glue that connects each of these areas to their clients. If you like what you're hearing, Marketing Matters airs live every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and is replayed several times throughout the week. I'm happy to welcome our next guest to the program. This is Donald Miller, CEO of StoryBrand. Welcome to the program, Don. Great to be with you. Excellent. Happy to have you here. So, as I always do, I have to, of course, uh, give our listeners a, a sort of glimpse into the very interesting and exciting journey that led you to what you're doing. So, if you could talk us through a little bit of through your pathway, Don, in terms of where you came from and how you got to where you are. That would be fantastic. It is a Forrest Gump journey. If anybody, <laughs> if there's a, a low percentage chance of being on your amazing show, oh. I'm the low percentage guy. I'll tell you, it's actually quite hilarious. I, I had a writing career. I sold millions of memoirs oh, interesting. back uh, 10 years ago. Okay. And my assistant came to me and she said, Don, you got to do a conference. You got to have people come to your conference and you know, when you're a writer, you sit around your box of shorts, you write poems, other people sit around their box of shorts, you read them, you have no human contact. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I thought, well, I might do it. I did it, I had a blast, but the only problem is we rented a 700-seat theater and there were 350 people <laughs> in the room. And I thought, I'm not a, I'm a glasses half, I see no benefit of being a, ha- a glasses half full guy. Uh-huh. The glasses <laughs> definitely happened. we got to fill the glass. Uh-huh. So I, um, I, I, you know, we, we did surveys, people loved the conference, mm-hmm. and I thought, problem solved. If you build it, they will come. Uh-huh. And that's the biggest lie in business. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, we did it again, 350 people were there. I didn't know what to do, and uh-huh. I realized, you know what, I'm great at writing 300 pages. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm really good at it. I'm terrible at writing the back cover copy. I'm terrible at writing oh, one sentence that makes somebody wants to buy, gotcha. which is marketing. That's marketing. And so I end up on an airplane. You're going to love the story. I end up on an airplane. I'm flying to Indianapolis to speak, mm-hmm. and I sit down on the airplane. The guy next to me is reading my book, and I've never seen my book in a while, in the wild before, and I had no idea what to do. Uh-huh. And I, I, so I said, uh, do you like that book? And he said, I love this book. Oh, like I'm flying to Indianapolis to hear this guy speak tonight. Interesting. Uh-huh. And Americans, I never told him who I was. I just thought, well, I'm going to find out. I'm going to do some market research. Interesting. And, and I kept asking him questions. And the, the, the things he would say about my books made me not want to read my books. <laughs> things like, you got to read them to understand. And, uh-huh. you know, and things like that. And uh-huh. I re- it really hit home then. I've got to come up with messaging that makes people want to read my books and go to my, my conference. Uh-huh. And I, in order to do that, I knew the most powerful tool to get anybody to pay attention to you, for especially for a long period of time, is story. Because mm. I studied story to write all these books mm-hmm. and screenplays. Mm-hmm. So I developed this framework to run my message through, a filter, if you will, mm. to run my message through to get to the critical soundbite mm-hmm. that I would need to say to get people to show up to my conference. And it worked. Wow. And uh, I, you know, we conferences were from 350 people to 1,400 to 2,400. 
then we realized, wait a second, this this messaging marketing framework is more valuable than the, the old conference I was doing. <laughs> and so, so we started, you know, I think it was, uh, I, I decided to try to float it and see mm-hmm. if anybody would be interested. And the uh-huh. first people that were interested were Procter and Gamble. Oh, interesting. And they, they had me come in and do a little keynote and, uh, and it worked. Wow. You know, it went really well. And now we take about 3,000 companies through it a year. And it is 3,000 companies? 3,000. Wow. An online course through a live workshop. And then we have eight facilitators to go out. And, you know, it's, it's done extremely well. You know, I think the reason it's done well is because it's not that it's easy. You've got to put a little bit of time into it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's dirt cheap. I mean, words <laughs> are free. You don't have to pay for words. You just can't. Hand me a napkin and a pen, uh-huh. and we'll sit down and go through a process to figure out what you should be saying. Because there are massive critical mistakes, as you know, that companies are making left and right. It's costing them millions of dollars, and, and they're marketing mistakes. I think most marketing is a complete ripoff. Interesting. I, I, think it's, I, I don't think cute and clever works anymore. Mm-hmm. I think creativity hardly works. Mm. I think clarity works. Clarity wow. works. And if you're clear and people can understand you, you have a higher percentage shot of them buying your product. Wow, that is fantastic. I'll do my best Forrest Gump impersonation. Life is like <laughs> a box of chocolates. How was that? Exactly. Was that pretty good? Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing that you were actually on the plane and a gentleman was reading your book and you sort of saw that and you said, wow, you know, you had that kind of aha moment that, you know, there was some pivoting to do. But you're, you come from a background of writing, so you spent a lot of time honing your craft. Has the art of writing changed? It's like the skills that are required to do that. Has that changed at all? Well, I think it, the skill to cry to write is just work ethic. I mean, mm-hmm. You got to get up in the morning, and you got to sit down, and you got to you got to be willing to be alone with yourself for a long period of time and mm-hmm. work out an idea. Mm-hmm. But the actual tools of, of of captivating somebody's attention are not new. Uh-huh. You know, these the, the elements of story as a formula are two thousand years old, mm-hmm. and most scholars would agree that there's seven stories that have ever been told, and Tommy Boy is the same as Star Wars, and. <laughs> <laughs> Mary Poppins, famous Patty and Grant. And if you know the formulas, interesting, you know, you know them. And so my my wife hates going to movies with me because I'm going to help over <laughs> at some point and say that guy dies 31 minutes, babe, and she's like, shut up and eat your popcorn. <laughs> so you know, that's funny. These, you know, when you're really talking about the, the elements of story, mm-hmm. you're talking about people sitting around and Shakespeare. You know, from Plato to Shakespeare to uh, you know, Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. sitting around going, how do we keep somebody's attention for 90 minutes? Uh-huh. And man, if you break those rules, mm-hmm. the audience starts to daydream. And I see company after company after company breaking the rules of story in their mm-hmm. marketing. Interesting. You know, I, I, here, you guys criticize marketing, I'm sure, all the time on the show. There's, um, I, earlier in the, the year, I was, I'm a football fan. I like watching the Seattle Seahawks. Nice. And I'm watching, the, I'm watching football, and mm-hmm. the end zone is painted the word crucial catch. <laughs> And there's some, there's some, there's like three little bars of color on either side of crucial catch. Uh-huh. You know, the end zone at an NFL game has got to be really expensive, right? So that, so, and I'm thinking, okay, is that the Polaroid logo? Is Polaroid <laughs> come out with some digital cameras? And why don't they just paint use our digital cameras instead of crucial catch? Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I mean, three weeks later, I realized this is a breast cancer awareness campaign. Oh my goodness. And the, wow. the whole thing is crucial catch intercept cancer. Only they didn't put intercept cancer in the in the end zone. <laughs> they put the, and I'm thinking, wow, what morons! Millions of dollars, right? You know, 
and not realizing, hey, we didn't get to be around you in, in, in the executive uh, room when you're all coming up with these cute and clever ideas. Uh-huh. If you would have painted the end zone hot pink mm-hmm. and said, get green for breast cancer, mm-hmm. and had volunteers at every gate mm-hmm. handing cards to women saying, do you agree to get, get you would have saved so many more Interesting. lives. Interesting. Interesting. We because we, we were, they weren't clear. They mm-hmm. were cute. They were and it doesn't work. It and it doesn't, doesn't work. work. It's costing people millions. Interesting. I, lo- I love that idea because your, your point that's very clear here, Don, is that you know, crucial catch, intercept cancer, you got half of it right and half of it wrong. Had you used the other half and just had that clarity point, you would have been doing much, much better, right? Well, you would have done that, but you, you would have also needed to add something, and that's get screened for cancer. Because, people, oh. you know, if we're, if we're bombarded with 3,000 commercial messages a day, mm-hmm. and that's a 10-year-old statistic. It's right. It's got to be five now. You know, if you're bombarded, <laughs> People only do what you tell them to do. Right. They only do what you tell them to do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just not going to work. Interesting. Uh, and, and and it's a waste of money. But that's just one company. I mean, you, you know, you turn – television commercials tend to be dialed in a little bit better than billboards gotcha. and websites. Websites, 90% of the websites that we study at our workshops are, are ridiculous. They're horrible. <laughs> They're you know what, Don? I got to ask you – I got to ask you to stop sugarcoating it. And to really tell us what you think, you know what I mean? <laughs> I love well, this. You know, it's not that I want to criticize our clients. I want to criticize the company that they pay to gotcha. put that crap on the internet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, a lot of these websites just fail these principles that you mentioned. So, give us an example of this and what, what some of these common things. Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners out there are like trying to get help building their websites, et cetera. What are some of the things that you've seen that you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, I can't believe that was done? Okay, grab a piece of paper. They, they, <laughs> they, 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 parallel, they parallel the elements of story. So let me walk you through a story. Okay. You have a character that wants something. Okay. But has a problem. Okay. Who meets a guide. Wait, just one. I got to so, hold on just a second, Don. This is fantastic. So you're sharing yeah. your knowledge here with listeners. I want to give us a chance to capture all of this. You have a, for the, the elements of story, you have a character that, wa- that wants something. Yeah, so let's stop there, though. Okay. A character that wants something. So in order to write an effective screenplay, mm-hmm. your character, you have to define what the character wants. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of mistakes that business leaders and amateur screenwriters make when they're <laughs> defining what the character wants. Uh-huh. One of the mistakes that they make is they are too vague. Okay. So if your character wants, you know, Americans, you want to go see a movie with me this afternoon? It's about a, it's about a guy who's looking for fulfillment. <laughs> Does that sound interesting? <laughs> I almost fell no. asleep when you described that. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly it. And so, but you wouldn't believe how many websites we go to for companies. Mm-hmm. They'll say things like, trust is the commodity we exchange. <laughs> well, what in the world is that? What in the world? You're not telling me what problem you solve. You're not, you're not igniting a passion within mm-hmm. me or a desire. Mm-hmm. You have to be really specific, and you have to define something that your car- your customer wants in order to invite them into a story. Mm-hmm. Then, secondly, the second mistake that, that, that companies make is they define too many things that their customers want. Gotcha. So if I, if I invite you to a movie and the light's dim and Jason Bourne wants to know who he really is, mm. but he also wants to lose 30 pounds, and he's <laughs> thinking about marrying the girl, and he's thinking about running a marathon, and he's researching whether or not to adopt a cat. We have lost the audience. <laughs> we have thrown so much information at them that their brains literally cannot burn the amount of calories to process the information. Gotcha. So if you're, if you're pitching your products to a, to a, a customer, mm-hmm. and you're, you're, you're defining three things that you, you accomplish for them, you've defined too many. Interesting. It really needs to be, 
it needs to be one. And one. I know what everybody's saying right now. They're saying, look, Don, you know, we, we provide solutions to 37 problems. And I said, that's great. The 37 problems, though, the 37 things that you offer need to fit under one umbrella. Correct. And so, you know, uh, one of our clients, Ramsey Solutions, Dave Ramsey, provides financial solutions. He provides a radio show. He's got uh, conferences. He's got podcasts. He's got board games. Mm-hmm. Crying out loud. Wow. Teach your kids about financial but he offers one thing. Uh-huh. He offers financial peace. Oh, interesting. And so in the Rolodex of your customer's brain, mm-hmm. they need one place to stick your business card. And if you give them three things that you offer, your business card will go into the junk drawer and they will never call you. Interesting. They need- so let, let me ask you this. You know, in the, in, the, in the recent election, Hillary Clinton lost this election. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump won. Mm-hmm. She offered 120 things that she wanted to do, literally, mm-hmm. 120 things that she wanted to do for America. Mm-hmm. He offered one. That's right. And that's and make America won. great again. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so, you know, and so you, you literally, and that's another principle, people don't buy the best products and services. They buy the ones that they can understand the fastest. Mm-hmm. And so we're in a race to get our message out, and it starts with defining something that our character wants. And then the second thing that happens in a story is the second thing that we have to think about as business leaders and as marketing strategists, we have to define the problem that our customer has. Because it's not enough to have a a movie with a guy who wants something. Mm -hmm. Once you resolve the problem in a story, the story is over. Mm -hmm. So Liam Neeson gets a call. Mm -hmm. He's on an airplane. If he gets a call, and on the call... It says, Liam, your daughter was kidnapped, but we've got great news for you. It was a college prank. Mm-hmm. She is perfectly fine. She's here in the station. <laughs> she wants to. She wants you to come to London. Uh-huh. She wants you to go shopping uh-huh. and talk about grad school. Uh-huh. And then you have ninety minutes of Liam Neeson shopping with his daughter and talking about grad school. <laughs> roll, cr- roll, roll credits, please. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you. That's exactly it. What mm-hmm. you just said is the truth. The second you resolve the problem, roll the credit. Gotcha. Now here's the business lesson for us. Okay. If you're not talking about your customers' problems all the time, they are not interested in you. Gotcha. Because the only reason they're interested in going to your website, walking through your retail establishment, calling your sales rep back, is they have a problem that they're trying to resolve. Mm-hmm. And there are three levels of problems, and we'll get into them, but they're external, internal, and philosophical. Okay. And the key is those are the three dominant motivators of human behavior, is to resolve the external, internal, and philosophical. Interesting. And the one principle about this that, that I, I do think your listeners should know is companies tend to sell solutions to external problems, but human beings buy solutions to internal problems. Interesting. People are buying your products to resolve a feeling. Gotcha. And it's a feeling of frustration. Uh, it's a feeling of, do I have what it takes? It's the same thing mm-hmm. that movies are about. Interesting. And Interesting. so, we, and, you know, my book gets into it in much more detail, but just know talk about what your customer wants and then talk about the thing that's keeping them from getting what they want mm-hmm. and talk about how that's making them feel. And you'll do more business just to do just if you do those things. Very, very cool stuff. Listeners, if you're just joining us, we are having a fascinating conversation with Donald Miller, who is CEO of StoryBrand. This gentleman is a fantastic guru how to get your brand, your service, your company, your organization on the right track in terms of storytelling. He is a New York Times and number one Wall Street Journal bestselling author, branding expert and guru, and CEO of StoryBrand. He spent his entire career studying the structure of stories and how to get it right. He is giving us his knowledge with respect to the key principles that you must not 
violate when you are executing <laughs> an effective storytelling process. If you want to join this conversation, please feel free to jump in and give us a call at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Perhaps you are working on trying to build out your company, your brand, etc., and you want to ask Don a question. By the way, he gives seminars to three thousand companies per year. Uh, online courses, all kinds of really cool stuff. We have him here live. You can talk to him here right now live and ask questions. one 844 Now, Don, I love this idea that you talked about because as we're thinking through the elements of great storytelling, number one, you have to have a character that wants something and it, ha- it can't be too vague. It can't be too many things. Number two, they have to believe that they can understand and define that problem and be focused on that problem. Take us through the additional elements of great storytelling. And if you can also like tell me, give me some movie examples that are really good and or that really suck because apparently there's only seven stories. So we're going to basically see the same seven movies over and over again, which I actually believe. If you if you follow any movie, a character wants something, then they have a problem, and the next thing that happens is the most important point for all of your listeners to get. Okay. The next thing that happens in the story is another character enters into the story. Mm. Now, depending on the story scholar you're studying, if it's Christopher Booker or Robert McKee or Blake Snyder, mm-hmm. they'll call this, or Joseph Campbell, they'll call the, the, this uh, character the wizard, the mentor. Interesting. At StoryBrand, we call this character the guide. Okay. And the guide exists in the story. The guide enters into the story to help the hero win the day. Gotcha. Now, this is, this is the critical point. Mm-hmm. And if you get nothing else, get this. <laughs> Ever ever play the hero in the story. Always play the guide. Always Never oh, play the hero in the story. And here's the thing. People come to us all the time. We're called Story Brand, right? Mm-hmm. So people come to us all the time and they say, Don, we have such a great story, we need help getting it out there. Mm-hmm. And I look at them in the eye and I say, that's a great way to go bankrupt. <laughs> Nobody cares about your story. I hate saying it. Nobody cares about your story. People are trying to survive, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. People are trying to make more money, save more time, mm-hmm. clean the house, have a great lawn, mm-hmm. save their marriage. <laughs> I don't have time to listen to your story. Uh-huh. So, so what we what we say is, look, play the guide. This guide exists in stories for a reason. The purpose of the guide is to help the hero win the day. Mm-hmm. Now, there are two major reasons. Some of you are like turning off your radio. You're getting mad at me right now. But listen, listen, just hang on a second. There's two major reasons you never want to play the hero in a story. Gotcha. The first is when you play the hero in a story, you remove yourself from your customer's story. Gotcha. So think mm-hmm. about it. If I meet you at a cocktail party and I say, America, tell me about yourself. You say, well, you know, my grandfather started my company years ago and we're trying to increase our great places to work metric and we're trying to double our revenue in the fourth quarter. What I hear is I'm a hero and you're a hero. We're both heroes. But by necessity of us both being heroes – you're in a different story than me. Oh. And I might be very curious about how your story goes, but you have not entered into my story at all. Mm-hmm. You've separated yourself from my story. Gotcha. Where if you would have said, if I would have said, Americans, what do you do? You would have said, well, you know how a lot of people struggle with marketing and struggle with business and feel alone? Mm-hmm. I have a radio show and a community of people. We do it together and we excel. Mm. You just played the guide mm-hmm. and entered into my story. Interesting. And I know nothing about you. I don't know that you're married. I don't know when you take vacation. But, <laughs> but you subconsciously, you became the character that I'm looking for. Gotcha. So it's okay for you to talk about yourself, but only in a certain way. Now, there's a second reason you never want to play the hero in a story. It's even stronger than the first. Okay. The hero is a weak character in a story. Gotcha. Think about it. You know, we always think of The Rock, you know, at the end of the movie. The hero is a strong character in the last nine minutes of the movie. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. 90 minutes before then, they're ill-equipped, unwilling to take action, mm-hmm. in desperate need of help, mm-hmm. and have no idea how to get the job done. <laughs> you never want to position your, your company that way, right? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So here's proof. Jeb Bush's campaign mantra, mm-hmm. Jeb can fix it. He's the hero. <laughs> 3% in the polls 3%. as the front runner. Wow. 3%. Expected to win, got 3%. Ted Cruz, trust. Ted. Trust Ted. No. No. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody did it. Nobody. <laughs> so Hillary Clinton, the biggest political upset in modern political history. Mm-hmm. A billion dollars spent, outspent her opponent. Mm-hmm. What was her campaign mantra? Uh, I'm with her. I'm with her. Yes. Stronger together. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm with so her. She, she's with us would have been much stronger. Interesting. So it's the, the, the big paradigm shift here is don't tell your story. Invite people into a story. Gotcha. So when you invite your customers into a story where they can experience transformation, where they can experience some sort of success, mm-hmm. that's what we're looking for. And, and the way you position yourself as the, the, the guide in the story. The guide, by the way, is the strongest character in the story. Gotcha. They're not transforming. They've already conquered the fear that the hero has. Mm-hmm. They've already won. Now they're just their energies are about helping you. Interesting. So the, the way you do that is empathy and authority. You care about your customer's pain, mm-hmm. and you demonstrate a capacity to be able to solve their problem. Interesting. And that's it. And once you do those two things, mm-hmm. subconsciously, every hero goes, I think that's my guide. In whatever category of expertise you actually work in, they say, that's my guide in financial advice. That's my guide in fixing the toilet, right? That's my guide in landscaping. That's my guy in dentistry. That's my guy. Mm-hmm. You want to play the guide. There's enormous amounts of money in playing the guy. And personally, I think there's just way more life fulfillment for us to just, you know, stop talking about yourself and start helping other people win. Uh-huh. You'll have job security for the rest of your life. Very, very cool. Speaking of helping other people win, we've got Megan on the phone. Megan, a welcome to the program. We've got the Jedi talking. He's the guide. He's basically the Luke Skywalker. He's going to help Ben Solo understand what his problem is and, and basically in, and give us this insight. But you have a question for uh, Don, Megan. I do. Well, hi, guys. Hi. Hi. It's hi. Nice to talk to you. Um, gosh, I go way back to being uh, a lover of Don Miller from, like, the Blue Light Jazz crew uh, a long time ago. So what's really cool is that now you have built out into the story brand, I find myself as well owning a company and actually running in the marketing and branding venue mm-hmm. of that. And so I'm in that vein. Nice. And I've I love it, book. man. It's amazing. I love it, too. Um, and I've been able to talk a lot to our company about um, being the the guide and not the hero, that our consumer is the hero. And, and so my question to you was actually just um, seeking a little bit of insight because we have a unique business in the sense that we are actually a bottled beverage company mm-hmm. that donates a portion of our sales back to clean water projects in developing countries. So I love it. It's pretty easy to make people feel like the hero because they are and we mm. always tell them that they are a difference maker but mm. what do you think as we're working alongside this for-profit which is the beverage company alongside our non-profit how do we make somebody want to go a little bit deeper into the story with us rather than just or other than just purchasing the beverage which is huge and wonderful but what do we do that's going to get them to kind of draw into the story a little bit more mm. what are your thoughts Don? Yeah, there's a couple things, Megan. One is, and this is really for all of us, but it's especially true for beverage companies. Uh, you're not just selling a beverage. I mean, you know, there's so much competition out there, so many great flavors, mm-hmm. those sorts of things. 
Coca-Cola really understands this. Coca-Cola understands they're selling an aspirational identity. In story structure, what happens in the story is a hero transforms. There's somebody different at the end than they were at the beginning. They were weak at the beginning. They're strong at the end. And Coca-Cola has identified this aspirational identity of a person who is willing to look life in the eye and see all of its challenges and yet be an eternal optimist and have a beautiful sense and, and, and understanding of life. If you're that kind of person, you're a Coca-Cola person. So the, the, one of the first lessons for all of us to understand, we all think we're selling a product, but we're not. Mm-hmm. We're selling what that product can deliver, and it's important to talk about that. And often a product can actually deliver an aspirational identity. So mm-hmm. when Coca-Cola and Macintosh, Apple, when they started seeing themselves as fashion brands mm. selling an identity, they all started doing better. The other thing that I would say, and there's a lot of people listening who have this same issue, there's an aspect of the brand like Tom's Shoes. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, I just bought a suit from uh, a suit maker in Salt Lake City who every suit that I buy from them, they actually give a suit to a homeless gentleman who has a job interview. Oh, interesting. It's really beautiful stuff. But, but we, what we never want to forget, though, is the sort of humanitarian aspect of, of what we're buying is icing on the cake, but it's not the cake. We still have mm-hmm. to sell a great suit. We still have to sell a great beverage. And so I don't think many people are buying this beverage because you're giving uh, bottled water away or you're drilling mm-hmm. wells in sub-Saharan Africa. I think they're actually buying it and then feeling great about the purchase because of that. Mm-hmm. So what you want to do, my advice to you would be to segment the audience and find a little way to, to the people who are committed and evangelists for your brand, probably because they feel so good about the humanitarian aspect and they like the taste of the beverage. You want to segment that audience. You want to find those people, uh, and it's going to be a small percentage of the, of the consumers, mm-hmm. and you want to market to them a little bit differently. You're going to want their email address. You're going to want to find out who they are, and then, and then go deeper. Mm. So the first key is somehow in the packaging, you're going to give them a text to call. So if you want to find out where the, where the humanitarian money is going, if you want to see pictures of the people who are getting water who didn't before... If you want to watch live as we drill a well, you're going to get 1% of people actually doing that, but that 1% Mm -hmm. might be buying 25% of your beverage. Mm. And so you you Mm. really want to dial in and you want to segment that audience and market to them differently. Interesting. And that 1% 1 also, Megan, I think this makes sense as well, Megan, is probably going to be like the the one that's so internally activated, right? You're giving them an internal reason to buy a feeling. Do I have that feeling? And they're going to talk about it, right? Would you say that's the case uh, as well, Uh, Don? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. They're going to talk about it. And, Americans, you know this. They're going to talk about it, and they're going to talk about it a lot more if you give them the words to say. Yes. Help them, right? help so them give them the when, conversation and the story in some senses, right? Give them, this, yeah. give them, give them the narrative. Give, and give them a role to play in the mm-hmm. narrative. You know, the narrative is human, humani- humanity is up against a challenge. We have plenty of water, but we, we don't have the tools and the distribution to get it to the people who are thirsty. You are one of the heroes who are actually activating this movement to solve this problem. Now they have a role to play in that story. Interesting. Mm. Is that useful, Megan? Oh, my God. <laughs> I just feel like that was, like, everything I needed to, to start um, charging back down the line and, and really getting out there and, and taking the next steps. 
So thanks. I appreciate it, guys. Very cool. Absolutely. We, couldn't, be, couldn't be talking to a more important person right now. You're doing great work. Excellent. We, we appreciate the Thank call, you. Megan. Thank you so much for that call. Very insightful analysis. And, uh, of course, the work that Don is doing is just fantastic. I want to make sure I have time to cover additional elements of story. Uh, we've got character that wants something. We've got a problem that that character faces uh, that must be well understood. We've got another character coming in that is the guide, not the hero. What's the next principle? Well, then the guide gives the hero a plan. Mm. And usually, you know, Obi-Wan Kenobi or, <laughs> or Yoda, they say, look, you got to get into the X-Fighter. you got to get into that trench. Yes. And you got to shoot the photon torpedo. I'm very careful with my words here, Americans, because I'll get letters from people saying, it wasn't a laser beam, it was a photon <laughs> So I would be very, very careful here. Because, you know, people get mad at me about yes. that if I butcher it. But anyway, yes. so, you know, there's, a, there's usually a three-step or four-step plan that the hero has to go through in order to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. And this is where a lot of a lot of companies, especially with complicated products and services, so, you know, if you're a consulting firm or if you're a financial advice firm or something like that, you know, this isn't an impulse buy. Mm-hmm. And so at this point in the relationship, we've defined something the customer wants. We've defined their problem. We've positioned ourselves as the guide. Everything that we've done so far, inviting them into a story is free. Mm-hmm. Now we're asking them for money. Okay. That is not a baby step. There is a yawning chasm. Mm. And so normally what they will feel is, okay, this suddenly just got a little bit confusing. Give me some time. I'll try to call you next week. And mm-hmm. everybody knows what that means. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call it. <laughs> but if you actually say, uh-huh. so let's say you're at, a, you're at a party and you meet two different financial advisors. And one financial advisor, uh, you say, what do you do? You say, well, I'm a financial advisor. And, uh, and you say, that's interesting. It's kind of a crazy market right now. Yeah, it's up and down. But, you know, jobs are holding steady. Uh, the economy looks good. I trust that the Trump administration is going to get us uh, mm-hmm. around this trade war. And I think things are going to end up better. Why don't you come? Meet me next Thursday and bring your checkbook. <laughs> well, that's a big, a big chasm. <laughs> so let's talk to the second financial advisor. The second financial advisor says, well, you know, the stock market's up and down a little bit. I think it's probably going to end up down at the end of the year, but that's not, nothing to worry about because jobs are looking really good. And mm-hmm. I think Trump's going to get us through this trade war. You know, here's how I work with people. I meet with them in a session, and we go over their goals and dreams. Mm-hmm. And then I actually give them a free custom strategy report based on my philosophy of what they should be doing with their money. Mm. And then step three is, if they want, I help them execute a strategy that works for them. Gotcha. 99% of people are going to go with person number two. Absolutely. Well, the reason is they spelled it out in three easy steps. And Mm -hmm. you say, Don, there's 27 steps. I understand, but you need to break it down into three phases. Gotcha. Three steps works great. Four steps works almost as good. And five steps don't work. (laughs) So you really have to, you really, to, to your point, Don, you really have to keep it in that sweet spot between three and five and break, breaking down those steps. And the other thing that what I like about your example that you just gave, Don, is that w- w- the way you said it for, for that, uh, uh, that exemplar B uh, individual, it felt right. a lot less like marketing. It felt like I'm That's having a conversation. Yeah, like relational. I'm having a conversation. It's like, I'm not selling you anything. Uh, you know, I'm guiding you. Here's a plan that I use. I want to be your trusted advisor. You know, if, if we have a relationship and that leads to a sale, that's awesome. But I'm, I'm, I want to help you. I'm not really trying to get something out of your wallet. Would you say that's correct? That's exactly it. And mm-hmm. yet it's also direct. You're actually telling the customer mm-hmm. what to do. They're just very safe steps. You know, if you and I were going on a hike and we were going to have to cross a creek bed and I said, Americans, let's cross this creek. It's going to be great. 
you'd probably say, no, Don, you know, we're going to go over that waterfall if we cross the creek. But if I said, look, there's a rock, there's a rock, mm-hmm. and there's a rock, you would go, oh, okay, I see it. It, it gives it a blanket of safety mm. that I can move forward. The other thing that a three-step plan did, it did in that context, it pushed the risk back by two more steps. Oh, interesting. interesting. And so the risk was right in front of me, and, and when you gave me three steps, it pushed the risk back mm. so that I continue in this relationship, continue to gain trust. Mm-hmm. Any sales rep listening to my voice right now, if you break down that process into three steps mm-hmm. instead of asking for the sale, uh, you're going to see an uptick in engagement. Interesting. And the other thing that I love about this idea, to your point, Don, is you're you're building familiarity, you're building trust, you're you're also enabling, uh, you're also enabling that that character to gain confidence in that journey that you're taking them That's on right. to the story. Right. That's exactly right. That's right. There- and then after we give them three steps, it's time to call them to action. Okay. There's a, a principle in story structure that heroes. They really don't take action on their own. I mean, you'll find if you watch them, they're quite lazy. Something <laughs> something has to happen. You know, the guy has to lose the girl or he has to lose his job mm-hmm. or, you know, or the, the bomb has to be detonated or something. That starts the hero into the story. And what this tells us about human behavior mm-hmm. is humans don't take action unless they're challenged. Mm. So if you actually watch infomercials at night, you'll see these, these salespeople screaming at the television, call now, call now, call now. Mm-hmm. They're waking people up. Mm. It's amazing to me how many websites we go to, especially with these 27 million small businesses. Mm-hmm. And their calls to action are passive. They mm. say things like, learn more or get started on the website. I don't know what get started means. I know what buy now means. I don't know what get started means. You know, Americans, when you were, I'm imagining, are you married? I am, yes. Okay, so when you were single, how well do you think it would work to go up to a girl at a cocktail party and point at yourself and say, learn more? It probably wouldn't work at all. It would be terrible. <laughs> yeah. That's going to result in lots of sleepless nights, uh, you know, me and yeah, the that's cat. exactly it. Or even worse, point at yourself and say, get started. I think you're probably done at that point. <laughs> that's it. It's all over. <laughs> yeah, so what we want to do is give something for people to accept or reject. And mm-hmm. Here's just a really basic principle. If there's not a buy now button in the top right of your website, mm-hmm. you're losing money. Interesting. If it's not repeated down the page as you scroll down the page, you're losing money. Mm. And it's super important that we, we have very strong direct calls to action. If mm-hmm. we're passive in our calls to action, we think we're being polite. But what people are actually hearing us say is, I don't believe in my product. I don't believe it will solve your problem. I don't believe it will... We will, we will, it will change your life, but mm-hmm. I do have a mortgage, so if you'll give me some money, I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> That's not a sales tip. Gotcha. So we want to call people to action. And then the last two are really simple. Success and failure. Mm-hmm. We need to paint a picture of what our customers' like. life will look like if they do or do not buy our product. These mm-hmm. are called stakes in the story. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the reason we care about a story all the way through to the end is one, we've usually fallen in love with the hero. We really care about the hero. We want them to win. But we know if they don't, then he's not going to get the girl. He's not going to be happy. Mm -hmm. Or the bomb's going to go off, and a lot of people are going to be hurt. Or this person's going to lose their job. Mm -hmm. And we know that if they they do get what they want, there's going to be this wedding, and it's going to be great. Or the person's going to get the promotion, and the villain of a boss is going to get justice due. You know, there's stakes in the story. So this means, from, as, as business people, we need to show people and tell people what their life will look like if they do or do not 
buy our product. Mm-hmm. And the more clear we say it, the better. Mm-hmm. For instance, um, we got to give people a vision of, an, of what's called in story structure an obligatory scene. Gotcha. A scene that will resolve the three levels of stakes, external, internal, philosophical. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be really specific. You know, John F. Kennedy probably never would have been elected if he would have said, we are going to build a space program that competes with the Soviets, and the, the research and development in this program is going to spin off into the private sector, thousands of jobs. And he would have not gotten elected. Instead, he said, we're going to put a man on the moon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's something that we could picture. And so we all need to ask ourselves as business leaders, what does my customer's life look like if they buy my product? And, and especially on the images on your website. Mm-hmm. I, I go to so many websites. And they've got a picture of their building on the website. And I say, are you selling your building? <laughs> and why is there a picture of your What's building the anymore? point of the building? Right, right. That's exactly it. And so, you know, we want, we want to, to have, show smiley, happy people using our product. Likewise, we want to say, listen, if you don't buy a product, you know, uh, your lawn's going to still look terrible. And, you know, uh, you're going to have less money than you, you did before. And your life's going to look less organized. Whatever it is that we're actually the problem we're resolving. Gotcha. I will warn people, though, there's a caveat. These seven parts of story structure are not equal. Gotcha. Uh, you don't want to use them equally. Okay. Um, if it's a recipe for a loaf of bread, success is like flour. I mean, you really want to give people a vision of what their life can look like. Gotcha. You don't want to use too much failure. You don't want to tell people, look, your life is going to look terrible if you don't use my product. Because at some point, and it's in the book, at some point, the brain begins to turn off when, it's, when it has to face too many negative messages. And so uh, I, I look at, at failure like salt in the recipe. You know, if you're, mm. if you're baking bread, use too much salt, you ruin the flavor. If you use no salt, you ruin the flavor. It's just a pinch. It's gotcha. Just a, pinch. just a pinch. So those seven elements, a character that wants something, mm-hmm. who has a problem, who meets a guide, mm-hmm. gives them a plan, and calls them to action that either ends in success or failure, those are the seven categories of messaging mm-hmm. that story brand that I would want you to use. And I would say anything out of these seven categories of messaging is going to create noise in the marketplace, and you're going to confuse your customers. Interesting. So the difference between noise and music is is really slight. Noise mm-hmm. is just waves traveling through the air, rattling your inner eardrum. But if I played for you a, a recording of a dump truck backing up and birds chirping, you probably wouldn't remember it mm-hmm. two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. But if I played for you a Beatles song, you might be able to sing it two weeks from now. Mm-hmm. And I think what most people are doing, because they're disobeying these 2,000-year-old story principles that are proven to captivate human attention, mm-hmm. most, what most people are doing with their marketing is creating noise. And I think if you use these seven principles, mm-hmm. you'll create music, and people will remember you, and you'll stand out. Absolutely incredible. That was awesome. Totally awesome, Don. Thanks for coming on the program. How can listeners get the book? Tell us. Well, just go to Amazon.com or wherever you buy books. The book is called Building a Story Brand. I get $3.50 for every book. That money goes to a scholarship fund at Lipscomb University for underserved kids showing entrepreneurial instincts. So if you buy my book, you're helping send a kid who might not have been able to go to college to college, and they're going to become an entrepreneur like you, which means they're going to be miserable and try to figure it out just like you, and they'll join the club. That is fantastic. (laughs) I really appreciate it. Listeners, go out and get the book. Do or do not. There is no try, like Yoda said. And as we uh, move on to the next segment, I want to say thank you very much, Don, for coming on the program. You can find more about Don at storybrand.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at storybrand or at Donald Miller, one word. When we come back, we'll be talking about your personal brand. Marketing Matters Business Radio, powered by Wharton on Sirius XM 111. 
For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.